Chapter Eighteen of the Albert Gate Mystery by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Eighteen, Talbot's Adventures. Although Miss Talbot spoke so confidently of revelations to accompany the expected meal, it is idle to pretend that any of the three people who were cognizant of Talbot's mysterious appearance on the island betrayed undue haste to return to the waiting lunch. Sublimely unconscious of the excitement raging in their breasts, Sir Hubert Fitzjames could not understand why they each and all answered him in such a flurried manner when he dilated upon the beauties of the bay. Finally he turned to Edith with an air of apprehension. "'I fear,' he said, "'that your expedition of last night has upset you. Have you a headache?' Then she could contain her news no longer. Drawing him close to the rampart, and bending down so as to apparently take a deep interest in the laughing excursionists beneath, she murmured, "'Listen to me carefully, uncle.' don't look around have you noticed the party of turks and a frenchman grouped together in the opposite corner yes he said you do not mean to tell me that they are the people whom mr brett met this morning at the station yes unquestionably they are had your attention not been otherwise taken up you must have recognized them from their description but the most marvellous thing remains you know the little turret close to which they are standing yes well in the staircase leading to the top and leaning out through a window trying to hear what they are saying is jack what an extraordinary thing said the major-general who was really very annoyed that such a meeting should have taken place under his very nose and its significance remain hidden from him can we do anything he added nothing save to remain here a little longer and be most careful not to appear to have the least knowledge of their identity i have told you lest we might chance to meet jack face to face and you should be taken by surprise if you recognized him is he in disguise then gasped her uncle yes in a sense mr brett has put him into a sort of french workingman's holiday suit he looks so odd but it is evident that neither grosjean nor the turks have the least suspicion of his presence it was very clever of jack to get into that turret without alarming them they were joined by daubeny and fairholme and edith knew by a single glance at the expressive expanse of the former's face that should he be again brought into close proximity to the turks and her brother it was quite possible the quick-witted grosjean might detect the look of interested amazement which must inevitably appear upon his honest british countenance bobby she said at once i want you and mr daubeny to go down to the lunch and await us there we will join you in a few minutes certainly was the reply for fairholme knew that some motive lay behind the request you cannot do much by remaining here can you so i suppose you will not be long no uncle and i will survey the view until it is firmly fixed in our minds 
after that it is full stream ahead for the hotel du louvre the two young men disappeared down the stairs leading to the courtyard on their way they encountered a number of holiday-makers climbing up to the top of the tower in they came twenty or more of them and promptly spread themselves around the walls the marseillaise among them indicating to their country cousins points of interest in the city and along the coast at this moment too the siren of the small pleasure steamer at the quay announced she was about to make her hourly trip back to the town whereupon gros jean and the tags having apparently ended their consultation crossed the roof and disappeared down the staircase instantly jack talbot strolled after them but no sooner had the bulky form of gros jean who was the last of his party vanished than talbot ran towards his uncle and sister and said rapidly dubois and the girl have gone to palermo Grand Jean and the Turks have been in communication with the Sultan, and there is a movement on foot to buy back the diamonds. That is all I can tell you now, but let Mr. Brett know. When I have seen these chaps safely home, I will at once come to the hotel. Then he too vanished. Edith felt a thrill of elation that her good judgment should have led her to remain sufficiently long on the tower to glean such important information when brett heard the news it seemed to annoy him i feared as much he said i had not much faith in the patriotism of the young turks i wonder how much the sultan has offered it must be a severe wrench for him to dip his hands into his money-bags and dubois will certainly demand a handsome figure before he disgorges his booty however we must possess our souls in peace until talbot comes here and tells us all what he has learned at this moment i cannot help marvelling at the strange coincidence which should have led the turks and yourself to select the chateau d'if for a morning stroll i fully expected that gros jean would be in bed he must have received some startling intelligence to keep him away from his rest after a long journey meanwhile i have not been idle every one awaited with interest his next words for brett seldom made such a remark without having something out of the common to communicate i telephoned to paris he explained to tell the prefecture that gros jean and the turks had arrived at marseilles the police were surprised and perhaps a little sore that they had not discovered the fact for themselves but when i soothed them down they informed me that le Vert, the diminutive scoundrel whom we rescued from the rue barbette had faithfully kept his appointment with me at the grand hotel yesterday it seems that he was much upset when he learned that i had left he went straight to the commissary to inform him that contrary to expectations the turks were acting in complete accord with mademoiselle's father this naturally puzzled the commissary a good deal and the affair became still stranger when an attache from the turkish embassy called a little later and urged the police to do all in their power to discover the whereabouts of hussein al-malk as he was particularly anxious to have a friendly talk with him 
close on the heels of the turk came a confidential messenger from the british embassy requesting the latest details and when questioned by the commissary this man admitted that he had in the first instance called to see me at the grand hotel in a word miss talbot i had suspected the existence of the negotiations which your brother's smart piece of work this morning has confirmed whilst they were talking fairholme took daubigny on one side and with brett's permission gave him a detailed account of the whole affair the honourable james daubigny was delighted to be mixed up in this international imbroglio he told the earl that the bluebell was at his disposal at any moment of the day or night she might be required indeed he forthwith excused himself on the ground that certain little formalities were requisite before he could clear the harbour and he must hurry off and attend to these immediately i tell you what he added with his hand on the door i will come back and dine with you if i may at half-past seven because i shall not sleep to-night until i hear how things are going on but i promise you if i meet a single turk between here and the harbour i will cross over to the other side of the street no one quite knew what he meant by this portentous guarantee but it was evident that daubigny if nothing else was a man of action and his yacht might become very useful he had hardly quitted the hotel when a waiter announced that a jeune francais wished to see mr brett show him up said the barrister and a moment later talbot entered he stood near the door twiddling his hat in his hand until the waiter had gone then he told them what had happened since he took up his quarters at the hotel de Jolie femme when i reached there he said i was under the impression that gros jean and the turks were in bed i hired my room sent my tin-box there and then settled myself in the cafe to smoke cigarettes and read these vile marseilles newspapers until lunch-time you may judge my surprise when i saw the three turks and grand jean come out into the street and ask a waiter the way to the post-office they set off and being sure of their destination i did not quit the cafe myself until they were well out of sight then i walked away in the same direction inquired of a policeman the quickest way to reach the post-office and stepped out rapidly i had not gone far when i overtook them they reached the building the tax remained in the street and gros jean went inside so i followed him and found him inquiring for letters at the poste restante department whereupon i sent a telegram to london who on earth did you telegraph to jack broke in edith to my shirt-maker telling him to put a couple of dozens in hand at once this unexpected answer evoked a general titter the funny thing to me said talbot was the effect of the message on the telegraph clerk he could evidently read english and he surveyed me curiously for in my present appearance i looked a most unlikely person to order shirts by telegram from a well-known london house however i achieved my purpose which was to overhear grand jean's request he asked if there were any letters for m isidore de rion good gracious cried edith 
what an aristocratic name for that fat man anyhow it was effective there was a letter for him and he evidently only expected one for before the clerk who handed it to him was able to examine the remainder of the packet he tore it open glanced briefly at its contents and then hurried out to join his friends on the street after a short conclave they entered a cafe and procured a railway guide i tried hard to find out what section of the book grandjean was looking at but failed for the double reason that he did not consult the tags nor did he seem to make up his mind for he looked through the book sighed impatiently and suggested to the others that they should go out again i followed them into the cambiere and thence down towards the harbour when we reached the quay a small pleasure steamer was whistling for passengers and a placard announced a fifty-centime return trip to the chateau d'if seemingly on the spur of the moment grosjean invited the others to accompany him it probably occurred to him that the island would supply a safe nook in which they could talk without fear of observation as their presence on board the steamer would stamp them as excursionists so of course i followed them when we reached the island i quickly perceived that the castle filled the whole of it therefore in place of keeping behind them i went in front we all passed on with this stream of sightseers until we reached the courtyard i had never been in the place before but grandjean seemed to know it well owing to my policy of preceding them i found myself halted for a moment at the foot of the stairs leading to the tower it struck me that the frenchman was making in this direction so i took the chance and ran up i reached the top and looked over before the party had entered the doorway at the bottom they came in thus far i was right i looked around and found as you know the square roof surrounded by bare battlements with a turret in one corner i decided instantly that it would be hopeless to try to get close to them if they halted at any other point safe in the vicinity of the turret elsewhere i must remain too far away to catch any portion of their conversation so i darted across and entered the turret noting on my way up the stairs the existence of the loopholed window where you finally saw me it would never do to be caught there so i went up to the top and peeped over you can guess how delighted i was when they came straight across and settled themselves in the angle beneath then i crept half-way down the stairs and leaned as far as i dared through the loophole being just in time to hear grosjean read a letter from his daughter fortunately the innkeeper had to speak plainly as his companions were foreigners and for the same reason i had no difficulty in catching the drift of what the turks said the letter was quite short it told him that h had decided to leave france and had made arrangements to proceed at once to palermo whither the writer would accompany him one sentence i remember exactly h she wrote has friends in sicily and he feels assured of a kind reception at their hands friends interrupted brett that means brigands the information seemed to annoy the turks very much 
they were very angry at what they described as the enforced delay and discussed with grand jean the quickest means of reaching palermo forthwith then he told them that he had endeavoured to find out the trains running through italy to messina but they could not leave marseilles until to-night and he thought it best that they should have a quiet talk on the situation before deciding too hurriedly upon any line of action the rest of their conversation was inconsequent and desultory alluding evidently to some point which they had fully discussed before but it is quite clear from the drift of their remarks that an emissary from the sultan had approached hussein al-mulk and had offered such terms for the recovery of the diamond that not only were the young turkish party in paris eager to compromise with him but they had succeeded in convincing gros jean that dubois also would be likely to accept the proposition brett smiled grimly the commissary in paris always follows up the wrong person he said had he only used his wits yesterday morning he would have discovered that the agent of the embassy was in touch with hussein al-mulk hence the presence of the quartet in marseilles to-day talbot was naturally mystified by this remark until brett explained to him the circumstances already known to the reader was there anything else inquired the barrister reverting to the chief topic before them only this i gathered that gros jean did not know his daughter's whereabouts in marseilles but she had arranged that if circumstances necessitates her departure from the town she would leave a letter for him in the poste restante giving him full details nevertheless this presupposes the knowledge on her part that he would come to marseilles so i assume therefore that telegrams must have passed between them yesterday afternoon obviously said brett anything else yes and now talbot's voice took a note of passion that momentarily surprised his hearers it seems to me that this underhanded arrangement if it goes through condones the murder of poor mehmet ali and his assistants and places on me the everlasting disgrace of having permitted this thing to happen whilst an important and special mission was entrusted to my sole charge by the foreign office dubois has been able to commit his crime get away with the diamonds hoodwink all of us most effectually and in the result obtain a huge reward from the turkish government from his services i tell you mr brett i won't put up with it i will follow him to the other end of the world and at any rate take personal vengeance on the man who has ruined my career for no matter what you say the only effective way in which i can rehabilitate myself with my superiors is to hand back those diamonds to the custody of the foreign office no matter how the panic-stricken sovereign in yildiz kiosk may sacrifice his servants to gain his own ends i at least have a higher motive it rests with me to prove that the british government is not to be humbugged by paris thieves or turkish agitators if i fail in that duty there remains to me the personal motive of revenge no edith it is useless to argue with me for his sister had risen and placed her arms lovingly around his neck in the effort to calm him 
my mind is made up i suppose mr brett feels that his inquiry is ended for me it has just commenced the young man's justifiable rage created a sensation which was promptly allayed by brett's cool voice may i ask he said what reason you have to suppose that i should so readily throw up the sponge and leave monsieur henri dubois the victor in this contest do you mean cried talbot starting to his feet that you will stand by me stand by you echoed the barrister himself yielding for an instant to the electrical condition of things of course i will we will recover those diamonds and bring them back with us to london if we have to take them out of the sultan's palace itself and now lord fairholme he added before talbot could do other than grasp his hand and shake it impulsively we want your friend's yacht we will set out for palermo at the first possible moment we must reach there many hours perhaps a whole day before dubois who is on a sailing vessel and even with the start he has obtained cannot hope to equal the performance of a fast steamer let gros jean and his turks travel overland we will beat them too come now no more talk but action you fairholme go ahead and prepare daubeny i will see to your luggage being packed talbot and i will join you in a half an hour eh what is that broke in sir hubert fairholme talbot you what are edith and i going to do mr brett of course said edith in her steady even tones did not trouble to include us uncle because we shall be on the yacht first a woman can always pack up much better than a man you know and i will look after you dear brett gave one glance at her flushed and smiling face and forthwith abandoned argument as useless an hour later the bluebell was skimming merrily past the outer lighthouse in marseilles bay End of chapter eighteen